Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Calling Tau City. Turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network, featuring tales to terrify and far-fetched fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 567. I am your host. Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. Hope everyone is fine and dandy. I'm rubbing my hands here as if it's cold outside, but it's actually quite mild today as well. A lovely sunrise this morning as well. Hope everyone is fine. I'll tell you what's coming in today's show. There's just one story and one alone, A Bird in the Hand by Doug Smith. Yes, that's what's coming up today. But today at Perion, I think we are now the highest we have ever been. I'm sure of it. We are on 434. So I'd just like you to do some big shout outs. Big thank you to Steve Rise. Steve, thank you so much, sir. Big hugs there. And John Iger, is it Iger? Edgar? John, thank you so much. Honestly, that's a nice little one there, lad. Thank you so much. And Vladimir Podgrobunsky. Vlad, <laughs> you rock, sir. What a name that is. Thank you so much. So. If you want to, come on, let's push it now. We're, we're just above water there. We're, we're going on. Couple, couple of dollars over the Christmas period would be fun. Ho, 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 ho. Hey, don't start that. Right? <laughs> just slip it. The old festive humbug routine. So like I say, main fiction is A Bird in the Hand by Doug Smith. This story originally appeared in Warrior Wise Woman 3 from Norella, Norella. Press, 2010. 
Doug Smith is a multi-award winning author described by Library Journal as one of Canada's most original writers of speculative fiction. His fiction has been published in 26 languages including urban fantasy novel The Wolf at the End of the World, the collections Crimoscope and Impossibilia and translated collections. His writing guide, Playing the Short Game, How to Market and Sell Short Fiction is a must-read for any short story writer out there. Doug is a three-time winner of Canada's Aurora Award and has been a finalist for the John W. Campbell Award, CBC's Boogies Award, Canada's Jury Sunburst Award and France's Juried Prix Merston Award and Prick's Bob Marone Award as well. You've got a website, and I'll put a link onto there. Doug has got two. You've got Twitter as well. So there you go. The story is narrated by Nicole Doolin. Nicole is a voice actor and writer of fiction, scripts, and poetry. She has performed narrations for a number of popular and award-winning podcasts, such as the No Sleep podcast, Tales to Terrify, and Far-Fetched Fables. She also narrates classic literature in her own podcast, Audio Literature Odyssey. To learn more about Nicole, and there's again, you can visit her at NicoleDoolin.com. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present A Bird in the Hand by Douglas Smith Narrated by Nicole Doolan There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Did you check the electrodes and restraints again? A male voice, she thought. Hard, sharp. Yes, doctor. I didn't like being in there with her. Different voice, but male again. This one sounded nervous. I wonder what she'll be, the first voice asked. Only two of them? She kept her eyes closed, listening. Something beautiful, I think. She certainly is now. 
Where was she? She tried moving. The structure under her swayed slightly, creaking. Some kind of table. Stay focused, Steen. She's one of them. We don't know for sure, the one called Steen replied. Her arms were strapped down. She was wearing a short gown. She felt cold metal under her bare legs and more straps. Something soft and plastic pulled at a corner of her mouth. Look at the readings, man. Have they been wrong yet? No. No, they haven't, Steen admitted. Hopefully she'll be a predator of some type. Voice one continued. A bear. A wolf. A big cat. Any of those would have the most theatrical effect with the Department of Justice. Her eyelids fluttered open. She quickly shut them, blinded. Dim the light, Steen. Our subject awakes. The light dropped. She tried again, blinking until her eyes adjusted. Five feet above her hung a lattice of metal bars. Mounted on the bars, a video camera focused on her. Above that, beside fluorescent tubes, a half-dozen spotlights stabbed down. Miss, voice one began. Papers shuffled. Hoyle. Lilith Hoyle. You are with us again, are you not? Where were they? With an effort, she turned her head to the right. Pain seared up her neck into the back of her skull. More bars and another video camera stood about two feet away. Six feet beyond, filing cabinets lined a pale yellow wall on either side of a large closed window. She fought her head around to the left. Again, a crosshatch of bars. Fifteen feet past the bars, a row of wooden tables with computer screens stood against another wall. She was in a cage. Footsteps. Two male figures walked into her line of vision. One was tall, thin, with sharp, pointed features. Number one. The other, short and plump, round and soft, hovered at his elbow. Steen. My name is Dr. Lindstrom, the tall one said. This is Dr. Steen. Steen gave a nervous smile and a little wave. Lindstrom froze him with a glare, and he reddened. What? She tried, but her throat wouldn't respond. Squeezing the bulb under your right hand will dispense water from the tube in your mouth, Lindstrom said. Squeeze. Water, warm and acrid but ambrosia in the moment, flowed down her throat. What's happening to me? She croaked. Your government, Miss Hoyle, has chosen you to demonstrate the efficacy of a revolutionary advance in the field of law enforcement, Lindstrom said, watching her closely. What? Law enforcement? She murmured. You will participate in the final test of a product we have developed, 
to assist our police to identify certain individuals in our society. What are you talking about? Damn it, she thought. Focus, gain control. The Heroka, Miss Hoyle, Lindstrom said, his eyes still locked on her. Don't feign innocence. We know what you are. She struggled to clear her head. The what? Lindstrom's jaw muscles worked as he approached the cage. The Heroka, a race of shapeshifters, monsters who assume animal form to prey upon us. The lights above sparkled on a spray of spittle from his words. Freaks, mutants, travesties of God's design. And you are one of them. He stopped a pace from the cage. Electrified? She squeezed the bulb again, taking another swallow. The acrid taste remained. Shapeshifters? You're chasing... werewolves? She fought a rush of panic. Were beasts, actually, Steen corrected. We know that your kind can be many different animals. What we are chasing, Miss Hoyle, are murderers. Lindstrom's voice broke on the last word, and the anger drained from his face. Murderers, he whispered, turning away to walk slowly to the tables. A sad, gentle smile flickered over Steen's face, as if unsure it would be welcomed. He stepped to her cage. Dr. Lindstrom's son was with CSIS, he whispered in a special unit formed to capture Heroka subjects for, uh, scientific purposes. The creatures killed him and several others in an ambush last year. I guess they don't like being captured for, uh, scientific purposes, she replied quietly. Steen looked puzzled. She shook her head. Never mind. You're serious? Shapeshifters? So why haven't I heard of these things in the news, in the papers, anywhere? Dr. Lindstrom says the government wants to avoid a panic. And keep any scientific finds to themselves, she thought. What's this got to do with me? Her voice trembled. Lindstrom turned back to face her. Spare me the denials! We've known of the Heroka for years. He straightened, again in command of himself. Early tests on captured subjects identified certain physiological differences in your race. Irregular alpha wave patterns and unusual infrared auras. It's not my race, she said. He ignored her. We have since developed devices to detect these differences. These scanners, Miss Hoyle, enable us to identify the monsters that walk among us. He leaned forward. And they identified you as one of those monsters. She squeezed and swallowed again. You've made a mistake. Steen consulted a manila folder. Oh, no, 
your readings are all positive. He smiled as if this should please her. Now, some are borderline. His eyebrows swooped down towards plump cheeks, almost swallowing his beady eyes as he checked something. But within established tolerances, he finished happily. Enough, Lindstrom sighed, waving Steen back with a flick of his hand. Recognizing the menace the Heroka represent, the DOJ plans to initiate special measures for their capture. I thought you were worried about panic, she said. Bringing legislation before Parliament to track down where creatures, not to mention their trials, might attract some attention, don't you think? Lindstrom smiled. We need no legislation. Justice will invoke the War Measures Act, citing the Heroka as a threat to national security. And they intend no public trials. Just your private tests, she thought, shivering. Lindstrom went on. Unfortunately, Justice Contends scanner readings will be inadmissible as evidence. That is where you play a role. We have developed a drug that triggers a specific chemical reaction in the brain, releasing an enzyme unique to the Heroka and forcing a transformation. In short, Miss Hoyle, it obliges you to assume your animal form, whatever that may be. Lindstrom walked to the monitors, conferring with Steen in a whisper. Apparently satisfied, he turned back, smiling. Never knew a snake could smile, she thought. You will receive our drug. While these computers monitor your transformation and video cameras recorded for posterity, this will convince justice that a reliable method now exists for proving the existence of the Heroka in the courtroom. What? she exploded, straining against the straps. You doped and kidnapped me? Stripped me and strapped me onto a table in a cage? Now you're giving me some weird fucking drug? Are you nuts? Are you crazy? Lindstrom's smile broadened. Very good. Adrenaline speeds the assimilation of the drug into your system. We shouldn't have long to wait, he said, checking the monitors again. You mean, she began. Steen nodded, smiling. The drug is soluble in water. We placed it in your drinking supply. She dropped the bulb. He shuffled closer. Oral delivery will allow undercover field agents to test suspects more easily. Dr. Lindstrom says that makes it much more marketable, he said in a conspiratorial tone. Shut up, Steen, Lindstrom snapped. Why do you need me? She snarled. You've already caught some of these things. Use them to test your goddamn drug. Steen paled. Lindstrom spoke. CSIS makes very few subjects available to us, and then only briefly. Once our drug prompts a change, they remove the creature to another facility. 
He paused. You see, CSIS performs tests of their own to determine the effectiveness of various weapons against the transformed Hiroka. He smiled. Regrettably, such tests do not lend themselves to reuse of the same subject. She felt nausea rise in her. Steen avoided her eyes. They're right, she thought. Monsters do walk among us. How much has she taken? Lindstrom asked. Steen waddled out of sight. She heard a fingernail tapping against glass. My goodness, nearly 107 cc's. Steen returned to stare wide-eyed at her. That should be more than sufficient. The maximum any prior subject required was 75. Lindstrom's brow creased. At twice her body mass. He walked to a monitor. Steen, look at these scanner readings. Steen waddled over. Why, they've dropped. Into the range of possible error. He turned to look at her, blinking. We generally don't classify such levels as a positive ID. You mean your fancy scanners are finally getting it right? Saying that I'm human? She asked. Nice toys they give you. You guys buy wholesale or something? Lindstrom ignored her, grabbing the folder from Steen and pulling him over to the table. Whispering, they consulted the papers and occasionally the monitors. Finally, Steen stepped away, nervously wiping his hands on his lab coat. Lindstrom stood silent for several heartbeats, then looked up, smiling. She had the impression he was trying to be charming. Miss Hoyle, he said. The possibility exists, it appears, that we acted in error. Naturally, should this be true, we would affect your immediate release and a swift return to your residence. For this to occur, however, I must ask for your assistance in eliminating some final doubts that remain. Fuck you, she replied. Lindstrom seemed unperturbed. Allow me to point out that you are not in the most opportune position to negotiate. Do you get paid by the syllable? His smile faded. Is that a no? She glared at him. What's the deal? In just another 100 cc's, he said. Steen looked startled. That's, that's over three times the maximum we've ever used. He scribbled on his folder. Per kilo of body mass, shillin' just five times more than any other subject. Is this stuff toxic? she asked. Steen fingered his folder. Well, not at those levels. But I'm getting close, right? she said. Steen nodded. She bit her lip. And if I cooperate? Lindstrom shrugged. Assuming you retain human form, you will receive our most sincere and humble apologies. A CSIS operative will escort you from this facility, blindfolded, I'm afraid, to your home and release you. He ended with a smile that she wanted to punctuate with a fist. He's lying, she thought. They had said too much. 
Lindstrom would have CSIS kill her once she was out of Steen's sight. That's it? She snarled. I could have you tossed in jail. Lindstrom shrugged again. Officially, this lab does not exist. We do not exist. The CSIS unit that hunts the Heroka does not exist. Against whom precisely would you bring your charges? She stared at him. Never mind. I just want out, okay? Lindstrom raised an eyebrow. Then you agree? She nodded. Lindstrom motioned and Steen approached the bars. Miss Hoyle, I'll regulate the flow of the liquid into your mouth tube, releasing about 25 cc's each time. Swallow that and then nod. I'll then release the next amount. Yeah, yeah, let's rock and roll. Steen shuffled out of view. All right, he called. Fighting an urge to gag as the liquid flowed into her mouth, she swallowed and nodded. With each repetition, Lindstrom grew glummer, alternating his attention between her and the monitors. Steen walked back into view. She's taken 211 cc's. Lindstrom stared at the monitors and then slammed his hand down on the table. The readings have stabilized even further. She now shows us clearly human. Those idiot field agents must have fouled up using the damn scanners. He glared at them both. Those units have been in the field for quite some time, Steen offered. Perhaps they need adjustment. Yeah, you should probably service them every hundred beasts or so, she said. Now, this bird wants to fly. Lindstrom glared but made no move to release her. Steen moved closer to him. Doctor, he said quietly, she's not one of them. You can't blame her for... for what happened. Lindstrom swallowed, then nodded. Very well, he said, moving to a keyboard. He tapped some keys, then turned to look at her. I assume we won't encounter any unpleasantness upon your release? Look, I'm half your size. I'm a woman, and there are two of you. Plus, I'll bet you have guards outside the door. I just want to go home. Her voice caught on the last word. Lindstrom considered this, then nodded. He tapped some more keys. A high-pitched hum dropping rapidly in frequency caught her attention, then fell below her hearing. The electric field on the bars, she thought. He tapped again. The straps fell away. She pulled the plastic tube from her mouth and the electrodes from her arms and neck. Pain screamed from every muscle as she sat up on the table. She swung her legs over the side. More tapping. Then the sound of released air and a metallic click. The cage door swung open. Sliding off the table, she took a shaky step toward the cage door. Lindstrom turned from the keyboard and shoved his right hand in the pocket of his lab coat. He has a gun, she thought. Carefully, Miss Hoyle, he said, watching her closely. We wouldn't want you to fall and hurt yourself.
Yeah, right, she said. Especially after you've treated me so nicely. As Steen brought a chair and she settled slowly into it, Lindstrom removed his hand and visibly relaxed. Steen hovered over her. Can I get you anything, Miss Hoyle? My clothes and my purse, please. Steen looked at Lindstrom, who nodded. As the little man walked over to a filing cabinet, she looked around the room, seeing for the first time the two walls that had been out of her view. One held a heavy metal door with a series of deadbolts. The other wall had a smaller door, slightly ajar. Steen returned with her clothes and purse. You can change in the washroom outside. I'll call security to take you home. She flashed a hundred-watt smile. I need a while to recover. Certainly, he said, blushing. Please, take your time. Could I have a glass of water? He nodded and turned away. From her purse, she removed a tube of lip balm. Pushing a large amount of the stick out, she began applying it to her lips, peeking from under half-closed eyelids. Lindstrom sat staring at a folder. Steen was pouring her water. She bit off the tip of the stick and swallowed. The lip balm was back in her purse when Steen returned. Taking the glass from him, she smiled. Tell me, she said in a low voice. Am I now in some Department of Justice database as one of these creatures? Oh, no. All of our research is stored on this system right here, Steen said quietly, pointing to a unit under the table of monitors. We don't want others to have access to our work. We do our own backup, too. He patted the pocket of his lab coat where she could see an outline of what she guessed was a USB drive. No assistance? she asked. He shook his head. How do you manufacture and store the drug? He winked and nodded toward the small open door. Our lab. We store all samples in a temperature control unit in there. Quite the setup. She then added in a normal level of voice, Well, I'm ready to go home now. She tweaked Steen's plump cheek. Thanks for the hospitality. As the little man reddened and began to speak, she drew a sharp nail quickly along the soft skin under his jaw. A thin line of red appeared. Steen gave a little cry. Uh, oops, she said. Sorry, I scraped you. Lindstrom straightened from where he had been reading and put his hand into his pocket. What's wrong? He snapped. Oh, nothing, Steen tittered. Uh, just an accident, I'm sure, miss. <sighs> Steen's face went blank. He staggered back a step. Lindstrom swore and stood, struggling to pull the gun free. In a single flowing motion, she leapt from the chair to close the space between them. A snap kick to his groin dropped Lindstrom to his knees. One of her hands slashed scarlet furrows across his neck. The other raked his face, slicing a cheek and an eyeball. He opened his mouth, but only a choking, gurgling sound escaped. His head hit the floor with an audible crack. She spun around, 
Steen sat slumped in the chair she'd left, arms hanging like wet towels, breathing in short gasps. His head was tilted sideways, saliva dripping from his mouth, eyes locked on her. She put a finger on Lindstrom's carotid, then checked that all the door bolts were in place. Apparently, Lindstrom and Steen preferred privacy to having guards readily available. Taking her purse, she moved to the computer. Lindstrom had left it on, so login security was not an issue. She selected a menu option labeled Test Subjects, then chose Name Search. It felt strange typing his name. She'd never done that before. No match flashed on the screen. Other spellings brought the same result. Scanning the data on various victims, she noted that most didn't show names. And he wouldn't have told them. Not him. He wouldn't have said anything. She stood up. Better follow her orders. She removed the hard drive from the server and put it into her purse. Steen's eyes followed her. Wondering what happened, Steeny? Well, Lindstrom's dead and you're dying. From the snake venom I use for nail polish on special dates. Your cut was small compared to this garbage. She kicked Lindstrom's body. So you'll live a while longer. She climbed on a table to disconnect the smoke detector and the heat sensor on the sprinkler system. In the cage, she removed the storage card from both cameras. Pulling the backup drive from Steen's pocket, she dropped it and the camera cards into her purse. You were right, by the way. I am Hiroka. She watched his eyes widen. So why didn't I shift? Well, you made an assumption. Unfortunately, for you, a wrong one. She began opening filing drawers, throwing the contents onto the floor. Stopping at a cabinet labeled test subjects, she bit her lip. She had to know for sure. Wrenching open the drawer, she began pulling out folders. Each had photos of captured Hiroka. Many faces were familiar, but none were his. The photos showed the Hiroka as human, then in changed forms in what appeared to be a series of weapon tests. An autopsy report ended each file. She was nearly through all the folders. Maybe she was wrong. Sky Mother, please let me be wrong. She found him staring at her from the next to last folder. Found the eyes she'd wake to on those two rare mornings as he lay watching her. Found his mouth that knew her so well. Found what they did to him. To that body that had held her. Loved her. So often, but never enough. Found the pictures of how he died. The folder and its contents dropped from her hands. She threw her head back and screamed a scream no human throat could ever produce. Stumbling to Lindstrom's corpse, she fell to her knees to claw and beat at his face. Finally, the rise and fall of her hands slowed, then stopped. She rose and walked to Steen. Lifting a bloody hand, she struck him across the side of the head. Murderers! she shouted. His limp body slid from the chair. She stood swaying over him, 
Murderers, she whispered. Sobbing, she ran into the next room. Equipment and bottles covered a row of tables. She seized and hurled a container against the wall, then overturned each table. Ripping open the doors to two large refrigeration units, she began pulling out bottles, smashing them on the floor. She stopped, holding the last bottle in her hand. She staggered back against the wall and slid to the floor, crying quietly. She had to take a sample back. Her people needed to know what CSIS had. He'd want her to do that. She broke down again, clutching the bottle to her chest. It hurts so much. She never thought he could hurt her. But oh God, this hurt. Her sobbing stopped. She sat motionless, then rose, moving like an automaton. The last bottle in her hand, she returned to stand over Steen. Figure it out yet, you little bastard? We have two forms, human and animal. One is our natural state. Most of us live as humans but can shift to animal form. But even we have freaks, like my tribe. Our natural form is animal. We're rare, even among the Hiroka. And she was the rarest, a freak among freaks. But he never treated her that way. She fought her tears. We shift to become human. As humans, we show the same readings on your scanners as other Hiroka. That's why you picked me out. Putting the bottle in her purse, she removed a perfume atomizer. We set you up. We knew that CSIS was working on a shift agent, and that you'd eventually succeed, because we had. Steen's eyes widened. Walking up and down, she released a mist over the papers scattered on the floor, avoiding looking at one particular file. Our shift agent lets us hold a change longer. I took some to keep my human form during the unconsciousness we knew would follow my capture. I was used to taking it, she thought, to be with him, to be normal. Unlatching the single window, she pulled it open. Good, no bars. She threw the screen on the floor. When I recognized a familiar taste in the water, I gladly drank up. We worried that you wouldn't give me your drug in time, that I wouldn't be able to maintain my shift. Your drug let me keep my human form. The scanner readings dropped because you'd made me more human. She looked out the window. Ten or more stories below, armed guards paced a walled courtyard. Can't escape, Steen rasped. She smiled sadly. After you released me, I took a drug to counteract both shift agents to allow me to return to my normal form. Normal. Only for her, for she was unique. Wondering what I am? She laid the purse under the window. Legend says that the Hoyle was the only creature in Eden not to eat of the forbidden fruit that Adam offered to all animals. We, the Hiroka, also choose not to eat of this fruit. The world of man, your destruction of species, your rape of our garden. 
The chemical spray now soaked the papers littering the floor. Striking a match, she looked at Steen. Tears streaked his fat cheeks. In that legend, the Hoyle was a phoenix. It does not know death. Fire consumes it in its nest, leaving an egg from which hatches full-grown a new Hoyle. She dropped the match. The fire raced across the floor to lick at the walls and furniture. Word that I could be reborn, memories erased, she thought. She let her cotton gown fall to the floor. The flames rose and smoke grew thick, but Steen did not close his eyes. Naked, she cried out in another voice. You who seek to bind us, look upon that which you would cage. Behold the hoil. Raising her arm, she threw back her head. The change began. Her head narrowed and sharpened, neck arched and shoulders broadened, legs turned backwards, lengthened and thickened. Her tears dried and the aching pain in her heart grew dim. She looked down at her skin, flickering now with a thousand colors and lights, until she burned brighter than the flames. Though dying, Steen's face held a terror of another sort as the Hoyle looked down on him. See me, little mouse, taller than a man, plumage of shimmering crystal, talons of sharpened ivory, beak a scarlet scythe under eyes of flame. I am the Hoyle. She seized the purse in a claw and leapt to the window. Perched upon the sill, the Hoyle turned back to the room. Flames ran and skipped up the walls. Steen lay gazing at her. His lips moved to form one word. Beautiful, he whispered. Then his eyes closed. She stared at him, but he did not move again. Her golden eyes fell on a picture lying on the floor, flames tasting its edges. The picture of a man, somehow familiar, gazed back at her. A feeling washed over her that she could not describe. And an alien thought winged through her alien mind. Beautiful. Fire consumed his image and he faded from her vision and her thoughts. Then, with a rush of air and wings, she left the room behind as the ashes danced across the floor. And there you go. Don't forget, copyright is... Doug, Doug, thank you so much. And Nicole, that is a lovely narration. Oh, sweet as a nut, as we say over here on the northeast coast. Thank you so much, Doug and Nicole. So, what I want to do is just mention, no spoilers or anything like that. Is anyone enjoying the new Doctor Who? Oh, man, what a step up for me it's been. 
It's a breath of fresh air of science fiction there. Yes, loving it. Absolutely loving it. The character is fantastic. From Sheffield as well, which is probably about an hour and ten minutes away from where I live now. So it's, you know what I mean? It's got, it's got its roots bedded in the north. And I like that kind of northern accent as well. You know, they kind of play it through Game of Thrones a lot as well. But yes, I like that. I really do like it. She is fantastic. I just think it's a great doctor. Anyone else got some thoughts on Doctor Who? Are you liking them or not? Now, I've just read... We are going to have a break from the Christmas editions and there's going to be like a one at New Year. But then that's it for 2019. I don't think there's going to be a a new Doctor Who until 2020. Be buggered. There you go. Right, until next week. Just like I say, good night from me. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. I don't get out much. I've barely left the ground. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm hooning, waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. Pointing to the moon, but the work is going slowly. It won't get to you anytime soon. Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio. I wanna talk to you. This signal's going light speed. By the time I get my say, I might already be on to you and on my way. But you're so far from here, and at best I move slow. So I'm waiting on your call at home with nowhere to go. Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 